Hello and welcome to another episode of CryptoCast. Today I'm delighted to be joined by Amel Gelderman, CEO of Monolith, which is a financial platform built for the DeFi economy. Hi Amel, it's great to have you on. Hi James, thanks for having me. Hello everyone. So it's interesting we talk about the DeFi economy and people got very excited by this, but what do you think people actually mean when they talk about the DeFi economy? I think it would be quite helpful just as a starting point. Yeah. So DeFi um, obviously stands for decentralized finance, and it is basically a completely new financial paradigm. It's a new financial system one that stands in contrast with our current massively developed old world. And instead, it's, it's a very fledgling new thing. And what makes it completely different than anything that came before it is that it's built on the Ethereum network. It, it's, it runs entirely on, on a decentralized network called Ethereum. Um, and it runs entirely on code, right? There are no humans involved other than like the, the people who put this code initially who create it and put it initially on this ethereum blockchain um but it's it it runs completely autonomously it runs by itself on on top of this network and um anyone can contribute to it anyone can access it and um the applications that people can can build um that can contribute to this phenomenon um can <laughs> Are, are unbound by, um, are not bounded by people's imagination, right? So, so anything that, that someone can dream as a financial service that somewhat makes sense, they can actually trial it and put it out there on the Ethereum network and see if it will actually, um, you know, catch on in a certain sense. So um, essentially where this started um, years and years ago, about five years ago now, Ethereum originally went live. And the one thing that made Ethereum different than any other blockchain that came before it, such as Bitcoin, most specifically, was that with Ethereum, you could do this thing called smart contracts. And for a very long time, that wasn't really understood what the full implications of that were. Um, but the, the fundamental difference with Ethereum compared to Bitcoin was that with Ethereum, um, the smart contracts are essentially pieces of code where um, that, that people can author themselves and um, they can basically create programs that run completely autonomously, independently on top of this network, right? So with Bitcoin, you could only do peer-to-peer -peer transactions, sending from one person to another, but it wouldn't go through a centralized entity. It would run on the network itself. Well, with Ethereum, you could do that as well, but you could take it much further and you could run entire programs in that way. So someone could, could replicate a simple, um, old world financial function, such as an exchange, right, where one asset gets traded for another, and they could replicate that in, in the form of smart contracts, in the form of a, a piece of code that they put on Ethereum, and this code would just run, and anyone could interact with it to get one token and swap it for another. And um, basically, that that is the <laughs> the core of decentralized finance. It's financial applications that run autonomously on networks and it's I just want to be really clear it's no longer just limited to ethereum today ethereum is the one however that has had by far the most initial first first mover advantage right pioneered this but now there's an array of different networks which are trying to replicate the success a lot of them probably will um 
but it originally started on Ethereum. Um, I guess in the earliest days, the earliest Ethereum days, um, when, when Ethereum went live, the first few projects that were announced for Ethereum were very notable. So, so it all kind of started with MakerDAO, which was the first project that announced they would build on top of Ethereum to create a decentralized dollar, a stablecoin, which now is, is very prevalent <laughs> in the industry. There's many stablecoins, but back then that was going to be the first good one. Um, and it was going to be this dollar. Well, there's a little bit more stories to that. It wasn't originally going to be a dollar, but it, but today it's it's a dollar that is um, the, the the value of which is determined through autonomous systems, um, and its existence on Ethereum kind of led to a cascade of different applications um, emerging and being built <clears throat> that kind of built on top of that. So. For example, um, one of the other things that came out, I think, in early 2018 um, was, was Compound, which was basically this, this system that was trying to replicate what a bank does, where a bank, where, where a person deposits money with a bank and a bank then um, basically borrows out that money to someone to, to, to generate a profit. And the bank then uh, takes that profit and gives it to their investors, right? To their shareholders. It doesn't give it back to the user. Well, um, what Compound did was it was the first, you know, financial system, the first DeFi decentralized finance application that basically modeled completely after that. But rather than giving the profits to the shareholders, they gave the profits back to you, the user, right? Um, so this is <clears throat> one of the reasons, you know, all of this is interesting because it's dis disintermediating these entities and, and, and ultimately um, generating larger profits for the end user. Um, but in the early days, um, we called all of this stuff um, the Ethereum economy. And at some point about two years ago, um, as more and more applications were kind of synergetically working together with each other on Ethereum, um, someone coined the term DeFi decentralized finance and it's stuck and so today we talk about um, decentralized finance which initially was um, basically this new decentralized economy of financial services developing developing on top of ethereum and it's yeah it's still very fledgling we're just at the start but it's very exciting and it is fundamentally different than any sort of finance uh, we've ever seen before and that's why it's, in, why it's interesting yeah um, i mean it, <laughs> it, it sounds like a complete game changer for for the economy effectively um and you know i think it's one of the biggest changes we're, we're going to see at least in, in our lifetimes um yeah well with all these things you, you because it's so big i think you get quite a lot of challenges as well um, what do you see as kind of the biggest challenges for the DeFi economy at the moment? Well, indeed, um, as you state, there's the potential for DeFi um, uh, to really have like an absolutely massive effect on the century to come. Um, however, we, we, are, we are seeing the crystallization, right? The, the earliest beginning of um, this potential and and you know we can kind of dream and see how this could develop into being absolutely 
transcendental for our society, right? That we really go into like a new age, right? <laughs> we depart from this corrupt old world age that we live in today. And we go into an age where almost all aspects of our society are transparent and our public services that operates without, you know, any human meddling. And but before we reach that society, um, DeFi has massive hurdles to overcome, right? So a pessimistic view of DeFi today would be that it is only really serving to make, let's call it the DeFi elites richer, right? It is, it is, a, it is an organ, it is a function that um, exclusively is serving people who are super into the space today. Right. There is no person outside of DeFi, outside of the core DeFi community that is benefiting from DeFi today. And um, I think that's the core challenge, right? There are all these ancillary challenges, such as the fact that, you know, this is like super legally gray area and we have no idea what, you know, all these external forces are going to do about it, to try and stop it or whatever. Um, but within DeFi, um, there, there, within DeFi itself, there are two challenges, I guess. Um, there's the challenge of access, right? How can normal people benefit, you know, actually stand to benefit from this as, you know, like these really technical core community members are doing and <clears throat> who are all <laughs> becoming very rich, right? And um, are we actually going to make financial services that are interesting to normal people. So, um, you know, the reality is that today, the financial services that a normal person uses don't really exist yet on Ethereum, right, on, in DeFi. So, um, you know, a normal person can't get a better mortgage on Ethereum today. Um, a normal person can't get a better loan or something today, or a cheaper insurance. All of that, you know, we, we are seeing the beginnings of it in, in certain forms on Ethereum. But it is still not, you know, it's still not there. And so, um, uh, yeah, and, <laughs> you know, that's ultimately when it's going to get really exciting, right? So, um, and that, that's, you know, my best guess would be in the next, you know, hopefully within the next five years, we can definitively say that you can get better, like, conventional financial services on Ethereum than you can in the old world. Um, and, you know, because, because ultimately, you know, if, if at best in 2017, uh, during the massive bull run, the massive hype, right, of the last like crypto cycle, um, if, if at best there were 100 million people that were interested, interested in crypto, right, Coinbase probably had 30 million of them and, you know, all the other exchanges in the world had the other 70 million combined, right? Mm -hmm. um, um, if, if crypto was interesting to 100 million people, that's amazing. But those people, for the most part, um, were young, male, you know, <laughs> like thrill seekers, right? The, the amazing thing about DeFi is that this, what DeFi is going to produce, starting to produce today, is going to be interesting to absolutely everyone. And so it's not going to be 100 million people. It may not even be a billion people. Right? It, it could literally be billions of people will genuinely want to use DeFi over traditional financial services by the end of this decade. And um, that's what we're looking at. And um, that is a change to our society. Back to your original point, right? 
that's a change to our society that we can't quite comprehend and get our heads around today, right? Especially if that happens within the next decade, within this decade. <laughs> it's like John F. Kennedy. Um, but like, um, so yeah, like, like, it, it's similar to how someone in our company um, has this, uh, this example of how um, he, he works in the, in the e-commerce fashion industry. And he talks about how like uh, just over a decade ago now, um, all the big fashion brands of the world had, you know, they, they would hire literally like teenagers to manage their social media, right? They're like Louis mm-hmm. Vuitton would get like a teenager to do their Insta- create their Instagram account, right? Um, why? Because they didn't really take it seriously because they thought their business would always be brick and mortar stores in the middle of like si- the city centers of the world, right? In Paris and London, wherever. Um, they didn't realize that within a decade, their whole world would be turned upside down and it would all become about what the latest influencers are wearing on Instagram. That would become how they sell their, their stuff. They didn't realize that this exponential technology, this, this social media, within 10 years would absolutely change the shape of their industry. Well, that, that is what we're about to experience with finance as well, where <laughs> like our old financial world has been absolved of any real change for, for basically a century, right? Or very long. Um, and we're staring in the face of this technology that could completely change how all of it works. And um, the, the impacts of that go much further than finance itself, right? Because you know, fundamentally, the economy is how our, you know, is the economy is the determining factor for why everyone in our human society acts the way they do. Right? Everything can be drawn back. So, the, you know, it's the, the economy is like the nature for humans, right? That's the world we live in. Um, it determines everything about um, all aspects of our lives, unfortunately, right? Um, and, and what DeFi ultimately stands to do is to change the nature of how our economy works and hopefully make it a lot more better, a lot, a lot more equitable and transparent um, and trustworthy and efficient, right? Um, and that has massive implications for all other aspects of society. And, and, you know, obviously, as someone who works in the industry, I would say this, um, but um, DeFi and whatever's coming after it is is certainly potentially one of the most um, important developments to save us from ourselves in this current, you know, in in this current century, right? Um, yeah, anyway. <laughs> uh, no, it's absolutely fascinating. And just out of curiosity, I know Monolith is positioning itself within DeFi, but I thought it might be helpful if you just sort of said a few words as to what exactly it is Monolith is currently doing uh, in DeFi and, and how you know, you're, you're operating within the sector. Yeah, yeah. So um, Monolith is um, essentially trying to find what the right way is for normal people to to ultimately benefit from what's going on in ethereum right so how we how we've done this over the years um we were one of the first companies to to basically realize that this ethereum economy what we today call DeFi, um would actually come about right we were there when (laughs) 
when MakerDAO, uh, you know, announced to the world they were going to build the die. Um, and um, we've seen it all develop since. And, you know, what we always have tried to do is to build, you know, a um, basically, <laughs> this is always where it gets hard for, for, for all the legal listeners out there. I'm not legally allowed to say bank accounts. <laughs> and I won't. Um, but but we want we'll to bleep build, it out. Yeah, we'll bleep it out. <laughs> we want to build uh, an, an experience that is functionally equivalent to um, what people would use today, such as their amazing Monzo accounts or their amazing HSBC accounts. But, but from the outside, it should operate the same. It should look and feel the same, right? And you've got a debit card. Um, you've got, you know, all the things you want to see in your app. You can still get your salary paid, etc. cetera. Um, but behind the scenes, the underlying way it operates is through Ethereum DeFi or through DeFi in general, right? And um, ultimately, what that will mean is that um, with our platform, say, you can get an interest rate, which is potentially on the order of 10 times better than you can with the traditional uh, bank accounts. Or, um, or that, you know, your insurances are, are a lot easier to, to get and pay for and they're cheaper. Or, you know, you can, you can get a mortgage in a few taps, right? Um, <laughs> uh, and our approach to this has evolved over the years as it's become more clear how um, DeFi is developing, right? So in the beginning, it was always a shot in the dark. We didn't even know it was gonna happen in the first place. Um, um, but we're glad it did. And, um, and I think now, today, um, we're working towards our, basically our best, most educated guess towards um, how our platform should look and operate to make it actually usable to someone like my parents, right? I literally just want to be able to go home and be like, mom, look, I, you know, we built this and <laughs> it's so much better than your Dutch bank account. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and I think, I think we're getting there. Um, but yeah, like uh, everything's fledgling. DeFi is still in, in a very early stage and our pl platform has, has a way to go as well. Yeah, I, mean, I, I just think it, it's, kind of an inspirational moment because I've had various people who say they'd love to be involved but take one look at, at the offerings out there and just go we can't get ahead around this it's too complicated it's not user friendly enough and then they walk um, so I I can completely see the the need for that if, if it's you know, if DeFi is to be taken seriously moving forwards. Um, one last question just because I'm aware that there are those who love Bitcoin in the world um, Monolith has started providing wrapped Bitcoin functionality, which I think is kind of a, a new innovation. I was wondering if you just give a couple of words as to what exactly wrapped Bitcoin is and what kind of role you see it playing within the new economy. That's an interesting question. So, um, yes, I think wrapped Bitcoin is um, is currently probably the most um successful attempts at bringing a non-ethereum asset uh, onto ethereum so um bitcoin obviously exists you know bitcoin is its own chain right mm -hmm. and um and it will always keep running and it'll always be there <laughs> um 
But the idea is that if we can somehow bring Bitcoin, a few Bitcoins, right? Maybe my Bitcoin, maybe your Bitcoin, maybe a whole bunch of people's Bitcoin, maybe all of them eventually. <laughs> um, if we can somehow bring them onto the Ethereum network, then they will be able to um, function within DeFi, right? They'll be able to be um, used within this, you know, burgeoning financial system that's developing. And um, because ultimately it just increases the overall value of your assets, right? So a Bitcoin, say, that is tokenized on Ethereum can now be part of what they call liquidity providing, which means that you basically um, add some of this tokenized Bitcoin into um, this wrapped Bitcoin, into this, um, into like an exchange like Uniswap, and um, you are providing liquidity, right? And as people trade back and forth, you actually generate a little bit of the of the of the profits from that, right? Like a, a small percentage goes to you, and um, that's interesting, right? Because now your Bitcoin is is effectively <laughs> making you a little bit of money, and that's something that um, that so that's something that everyone would want, right? In theory, everyone on the Bitcoin network would eventually want to make sure their bit, Bitcoin is maximally utilized, um, so that it you know, it just does more. Um, but but I think most um, interestingly, um, Wraps Bitcoin is the first attempt at tokenizing a, an, uh, an asset and putting it on top of Ethereum. Um, um, but it's certainly not going to be the last. And and it is it's the tokenization that is a critical key to allowing DeFi to really live out its maximum ultimate vision, right? Um, because DeFi is just the financial services, right? So it's the lending facilities, it's the you know the exchange facilities, it's the insurance facilities, um, uh, and and much more stuff. <laughs> um, but none of that really matters if there aren't any assets to, for for them to play with, right? If there are no assets to insert into all of these machines, and um, uh, that is what tokenization is about, and, and WBTC is the first good example of that. Um, there's a, you know, a very wide efforts to to make this work. There's, for example, in America, there's this company called Real T. It's in like real, like real estate, and then T capital T, mm -hmm. um, which is tokenizing real estate, right? Well, what what does that mean? <laughs> it means that with tokenized real estate, theoretically, very 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 soon you will be able to buy a house instantly with, with say, a flash loan, which is a very uh, novel concept on Ethereum, and then immediately, say, um, uh, mortgage a whole bunch of those, you know, a percentage of this new house, and, and now you've bought a house with a mortgage, basically. <laughs> and hopefully the interest rate is better than with your traditional bank. Um, and, and so um, that's very interesting. Right? It's, it's the efforts to, to try and bring the old world or the physical world or just, you know, <laughs> doesn't even have to be physical. It could be any, any asset in general to bring it onto Ethereum. Uh, that's the trend we need to see. And, and ultimately, when that happens, that's when normal people um, will really start to see use in what is happening on Ethereum. And not everyone agrees. Um, some people absolutely hate the notion of tokenization and think that, a token should only be completely decentralized. Um, I don't really see it that way. I think that um, 
you know, there's a there's a massive net gain on having the ownership of a token being represented on this global network, on this global Ethereum computer, right? And um, and now, <laughs> like, one asset can can be part of this economy, and that's a great thing. Um, yeah, I, I think that's it. Yeah, I mean that that that's absolutely fascinating. I think I completely agree with you on on the decentralization point. I always find that quite amusing. People start going down that route because I think even if you take something like the Bitcoin blockchain, that is effectively centralized from every unit of the a user of that protocol. So there is no such thing, as far as I'm concerned, as a completely decentralized network in the purest sense of the word. And one of the things I've been looking at is even on, on the decentralized models, you get things like, it's usually dependent on some form of administrator or entity, and I think you get legal entity dependent. So I'm always concerned that decentralization is, is you know, it, it's a philosophy, but not necessarily uh, a thing that exists in the tangible sense. But it's been absolutely fantastic having you on. Thank you very much. It's been really interesting. Thank you for having me, James. If anyone's interested in contacting Mel, his email is mel, M-E-L, at monolith, M-O-N-O-L-I-T-H dot X-Y-Z. Thank you for listening.